here and your devotion to the Lord and your dedication as well as all of those who are visiting with us. We're so thankful for your presence. We hope you feel welcome, that you feel uh, a part of this place. We want you to know you're always invited. And those who join us online, we want you to know we're always here for you as well. If we can help you in any way, let us know. Imagine an ant going across the world, around the world, traveling the equator. And if this were possible, imagine this ant traveling the same exact path around the equator of the entire earth over and over and over again. And just imagine that he could, it was possible for him to do this over again in exactly the same steps that he took every time. And over time, he begins to wear a path around the world. And more time passes and he continues to circle the globe. And that path becomes a trench. And imagine that it's possible that he continues over and over again, time and time again, in that same path, in those same steps. And after a long period of time, he has literally cut the earth in half. Imagine if that were possible. If that were even possible, how long would it take that ant to do that? We can't, we can't even imagine it. All we can do is guess. We might say a million years. We might say 10 million years, 100 million years. We have no idea, do we? But even if it took 100 million years for this ant to cut the world in half by traveling the same path over and over again, that's still not eternity, is it? See, we can't even fathom eternity. We begin to, and we might think we can, but we truly cannot grasp eternity. And I want us to talk about eternity and being eternity-focused this morning. You see, eternity is hard for us to grasp because uh, we want things faster. We want our mail faster. We want the Internet to be faster. We want all of the services we get to be quicker. We're always in a hurry. We want to get out of this line faster. And if we have to wait 10 more seconds, we're just going to die. We like fast. We want things faster, quicker, more efficient, and better. And, of course, always cheaper, right? (laughs) We like that part. But eternity is something that Christians have to think about. We might not think about it often because we're thinking about being in a hurry. We're in such a hurry. We we, we just, today is flying by. We might be thinking about tomorrow. And we're probably thinking about if I can just make it to the weekend. But for the Christian, the Christ follower, we've got to be thinking of eternity. We've got to be eternity-minded and eternity-focused. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Paul writes, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternity, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary or momentary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now look at what Paul first tells us in verse number 16. He says the first thing is don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged. And it's so easy to get discouraged in life today. Things wear us down and, and beat us down and wear us out. And we get, we get just overwhelmed and stressed out and anxious. And Paul's saying no matter what you're going through, no matter what life is throwing at you, no matter what your circumstances are, don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. And then he tells us, he describes to us something that's happening to all of us. It's part of the human condition, part of being a human on planet Earth. And he says, your body's wearing out. Some of you might can testify to that. You know, your, your things don't work the way they used to work. You try to go this way and your body says, no, I'm going that way. You try to go this way and your body says, nope, I'm just going to fall right here on the floor. It don't, it don't feel the same. It don't move the same. It doesn't focus the same. You know, not everything pumps the same and all of that anymore. And he says, your bodies grow weak. Our bodies wear down. They, they, they no longer, because of sin, they no longer uh, are what God created them to be. And so they progressively break down and wear out. Even though we should stay fit, we should focus on being healthy, those are important things, but no matter how healthy you eat, no matter how much you work out, no matter how much you take care of your physical body, eventually your body will fail you, won't it? Your body will fail you no matter how hard you try to keep it going. That's just the way that it works. Now, specifically in this context, Paul is talking about the hardships and the sufferings, the trials and the challenges that he experiences, has experienced, uh, doing the Lord's work, proclaiming the gospel. And in 2 Corinthians, he talks a lot about all of the trials that he's experienced. We'll hit on a couple of them. Chapter 11, he spells them out in a lot of detail. But he writes about his trials and struggles in other places as well, in other letters. But he, so he's talking about his hardships as a, as a proclaimer of Christ, as a Christian, just trying to fulfill the great commission that he's supposed to be fulfilling. And, and then he says, third, that even though our outer selves are wasting away, even though our outer selves don't last, they break down, they fail, they, they falter, the Christian's inner self, because he's writing to Christians, and he says, our inner self is being what? Renewed day by day. Now that's important. There's something important to see there about our daily relationship with Jesus. Because he's saying, he's telling us something that the Christian's daily relationship with Jesus ought to be renewing you on the inside. In other words, what's happening on your insides should be the opposite of what's happening on your outside, right? Your outside's breaking down and wearing out over time. 
Some of us, that happens faster than others. But on the inside, you ought to be renewed and refueled and refreshed. Every day, you ought to be growing stronger on the inside, no matter, regardless of what happens to your body on the outside. But notice he says, day by day. That tells us that this is a daily thing we need to be giving attention to. This renewal, this relationship we have with Jesus as a Christian needs to be something that is a daily value, a daily uh, focus, of a daily thing that's important to us. It ought to be the most important thing of our day, a renewed uh, a renewal with Jesus every day. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. He showed us how important this daily renewal is. He says, rather train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, it's a good thing. Just keep it in perspective, he says, because godliness is, val- is of value in every way, not just some ways, not just for our temporary, momentary life here on earth, but in every way in our present life while we live out our faith on this earth and in the life to come. It holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So no no matter what Paul dealt with in his life, he's saying, I can be renewed every day. No matter what beatings I might endure, no matter being shipwrecked, no matter being abandoned by my close uh, friends and loved ones and co-laborers, no matter what happens, Paul was stoned. He was left for dead. He He was abused. No matter what happened to him, he was renewed in his relationship with Jesus every day. But he said it takes training. We've got to work at it. Just like we might work on taking care of our our bodies, we've got to work at taking care of our spiritual lives. When David was in the wilderness of Judah, he wrote in Psalm 63.1, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He said, I want God like I want water in the desert. And that's how we get that daily renewal. And then the sons of Korah wrote this, and it's recorded in Psalms 42, 1 through 2, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. That ought to be how we feel about God and about our relationship with Jesus every day. That I need to go to the the water well of Jesus every day in my relationship with Him to get renewed and refueled and refreshed. And that's how I stay eternity focused regardless of what's happening in my outward circumstances. Look at verse number 17 of 2 Corinthians 4. Where Paul wrote, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So as I said, he's specifically talking about the difficulties he faced as a Christ follower in proclaiming the gospel, persecution. And we certainly don't face, at least here, what what he faced. But some of the missionaries we support and others around the world face probably the same, if not even worse in some cases, challenges and hardships in proclaiming the gospel. 
But see, you might be a minority among your friends at school. You might be a minority among your coworkers, among uh, those on the sports team or those in the neighborhood or those in band or in your group, whatever it might be. You might be the only one who believes like you do. The only one who's trying to stay renewed day by day in your relationship with Jesus and sincerely follow Him and not just talk about it. You're actually trying to do it. And sometimes you might be made to feel weird or awkward or you might feel like you don't have the connections, the friends, the relationships and doing the things that it seems like everybody else has and does. But what's most important is that we stay eternity focused, eternity minded, no matter what happens. See, you could even be a minority in your own home where maybe you're the only one who's a Christian. You're the only one trying to stay faithful to Jesus. The only one trying to sincerely live for Him every day. And some people face trials and hardships in their own home because of their faith. But Paul says, he tells us, get out the scales. He says, let me show you something. Get the scales out. You think you're going through something. You think you're the only one. You think you stand alone. And maybe you do. You think it's hard and you're letting it wear you down and losing heart and getting discouraged. Get the scales out. And on one side, I want you to put your troubles, your hardships, your trials. I want you to put them on this side of the scale. And then he says, and on this other side of the scale, I want you to put the weight of glory. And as soon as you do that, you realize how light and momentary and temporary those troubles are. And this is Paul talking, who went through a lot of hardships and suffering and persecution because of his faith. So this isn't some guy who was in kindergarten when it came to life wisdom and understanding hardships. This was a guy who had a terminal doctoral degree in hardships for his faith, in suffering. So this is a guy that could talk. And he says, no matter what you put over here on this scale, the weight of eternal glory far outweighs... It's far superior, far better than anything you might go through in this life. And I want you to focus, he says, on eternity. Focus on life after this life. In Romans 8.18, Paul tells us heaven is worth it. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Nothing compares to eternity with God. Nothing we could go through. Paul knew suffering and affliction, as I said. He wrote about it a lot. But look at chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, verses 8 and 9, just to give us a, a hint into what it was like for him sometimes. You can go to chapter 11 and read a lot of detail, but, but look at chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, where Paul wrote, it's him and Timothy here, and he writes, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. 
Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. They, they, they were in a situation, in a circumstance, because of them proclaiming the gospel, talking about Jesus, because of their faith. It was beyond what they could bear. And they thought, we're going to die. We're going to lose our lives. We're going to be put to death. That's how severe their suffering was. It was more than they could bear, he writes. But we need to finish what we have Labeled verse 9. Look at the next sentence that Paul wrote. After saying that, look at what he writes. He said, even though things were that bad, he said, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, my hardships are to help me make sure I rely on God and not myself. He talked about his thorn in the flesh. What did that do? It made him rely on God and realize this isn't about my power, my ability, the things God has shown me in his case. This is about God's strength working in me. And he says that uh, he made us rely on our, not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So even if we do die for our faith, we rely on the one who raises the dead who's in control of eternity, and we know we'll spend our time with him. This weight of glory Paul talks about is contrasted with the light afflictions. The weight, what is more valuable, what is more heavy, what is more important, is eternity, he says. And the, 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 the light, momentary things, those are light, that's, that's the temporary things of this world. Focus on the things that are more important. And the word glory refers to the splendor, the majesty, the magnificence, the honor, the happiness of eternal life with God. So we remain faithful to God and we stay eternity focused. Look at verse number 18 where Paul wrote, we look not to the things that are seen, Quit looking around and saying, woe is me and all of these things. And he said, look at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, everyone is going to spend eternity in one of two places, aren't they? And the thing is, is that God gives us a choice about where we, we want to be, about where we will spend eternity. There's plenty of awful descriptions of hell in Scripture but look at how Paul describes it in 2 Thessalonians 1.9. Turn over there with me. Where he writes, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Eternal destruction. So this is eternity. It's not like rover dead all over where you just cease to exist as some teach. It is an eternal thing. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. But look at this. Away from the presence of of the Lord and from the glory of his might. You see, there's a lot of terrible things about hell. And as bad as they are, the worst thing is that God will not be there. You will be absolutely away from his presence. And that's why it's so horrible. In addition to everything else that the Bible describes. But of all the wonderful descriptions of heaven... Look at what John wrote in Revelation 21.3. He 
He said, this is the best part. He says, I I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. The best thing about heaven is is there's a lot of, uh, there's countless number of wonderful things about heaven, but the best thing is that we're going to be with God. In heaven, we're going to see the one who spoke the world into existence. In heaven, we're going to see the one who sent his son to save us. In heaven, we're going to finally see our God, our Father, and we're going to be with him forever in eternity. It will be perfect, and it will be absolutely beyond worth it. So I want to ask you where you will spend Eternity. You know, sadly, there are many people and many Christians who will not spend eternity with their Father in heaven. And here's why. It's because many people will give up what they want most, heaven, for what they want in the moment. How many people are giving up what they want most, their eternal life, for what they want now in the moment, the things that they see with their eyes, and they totally forget about anything beyond the right now, what I want, how I feel. And they lose eternity because of the moment. And so I want to ask, what can we do to keep from uh, uh, losing heaven, giving up heaven for the momentary pleasures of this world? C.S. Lewis said it this way, He said, we need to die before we die. That doesn't make a lot of sense at first. He says, we need to die before we die. But another author, Milton Vincent, said it like this. that helps us understand and helps us get a deeper grasp of this. And he says this, when my flesh yearns for some prohibited thing, I must die. When called to do something I don't want to do, I must die. When I wish to be selfish, And serve no one, I must die. When shattered by hardships that I despise, I must die. When wanting to cling to wrongs done against me, I must die. When enticed by the allurements of the world, I must die. When wishing to keep besetting secret sin, I must die. When wants that our borderline needs are left unmet, I must die. When dreams that are good seem shoved aside, I must die. So I need to die to self and live for Christ, essentially, is what he's saying. In other words, we must be eternity-focused. I want to ask you if you've been eternity-focused. Have you been living with eternity in your in your focus, in your vision, has your mind been set on things above and not on earthly things, as Paul said in Colossians 3? And if it's not, what are you going to do about it? Are you ready to make a change in your life? Are you ready to ask for prayers? Are you ready to say, you know what? Eternal life, eternity has not been the focus of my every day. And I've been losing what I want most because of the moment. And I need to get my focus right. Maybe you realize I haven't even been begun to, to focus on eternity and I realize I need to and I need to get right with God and I need, to, I need to commit my life to Christ. I need to become a Christian. 
That begins with believing the gospel message that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for you, and that by the power of God He was raised from the dead, and that He now sits in heaven by His Father on the throne. And that He's my Savior, and when I confess Him, when I turn from my sins and my, uh, my sinful lifestyle, when I believe in Him, then I'm united with Him in baptism. I put Him on, as Paul said in Galatians, in baptism. I clothe myself with Him, and then I'm raised to walk in newness of life, Romans chapter 6. And I've received the forgiveness of my sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2. And if you're ready to make that commitment, we want to help you. Maybe you need to study about that. We want to help you in that area as well. If we can serve you this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. Lord, have pleasure with my sin.